Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Product Coffee, where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. So grab a cup of joe, join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Um, I am one of your product co-hosts, Zach Lugraca. I'm Jake Worland. I'm Bergen DeVille. I'm Patrick Kuchkowski. Kevin Gentry. So today we are going to talk about OKRs, um, which is an acronym, great way to start things off. So maybe before we start talking about OKRs and everything, we should probably define it. Does someone want to take a stab at that? Sure. Uh, OKRs, objective and key results. Um, What do those words mean? They sound pretty cool. Um, Objectives are really kind of your business outcomes. What are you trying to achieve for your end user? And your key result is basically your your method of measuring your progress towards that outcome. So generally speaking, you'll see objectives be a little bit more theoretical, a little bit more abstract. And then if you just tack on as measured by ABC, those will be your key results as well. Can also include initiatives if you're feeling very fancy. (laughs) That's if you're ambitious. Below (laughs) your key results, so the tactics at which you are going to use to drive to those key results that have been defined. So, if you're yeah. feeling ambitious, layer a level lower and go with the initiatives. <laughs> yeah, and the OKRs are kind of like a management framework. There's a lot of different ways you can kind of structure and drive technology organizations, and this is one of those. And that's the one that Ibotta has recently switched to in the past year. So, we've been trying this out, and we figured we could talk about, you know, what's going well, what could be improved. Um, advantages of doing things versus others within this system. Um, just talk about how that process is going overall. Um, so we're on, what, our third cycle? We reset these OKRs, we re- revisit yeah, them every right. every, every quarter. quarter. Yeah. So we started them at the beginning of this year, um, and every, at the beginning of every quarter we have a review session because one of the main benefits of OKRs is creating alignment cross-functionally within a growing business. Um, so maybe this is the first question that we can we can unpack a little bit. How good at our OKRs at creating alignment amongst teams? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I think so. OKRs are interesting because most most companies have goals of some sort, right? Like, oh, we need to sell this much of our product, or we want to increase sales by X or, or whatever. I think one of the things about OKRs that is a little bit unique for the framework is that it focuses a little bit higher level on. Like why you're trying, like why you're trying to do something in the first place. So it's not just a goal of we want to increase sales by ten million dollars a year. It's you know what's the higher level mission of what we're trying to do. We're trying to you know at Ibotta make every purchase rewarding, and then we try and ladder into like success metrics based on this higher level objective. So I think that's kind of one of the differences I see that, that helps uh, potentially set alignment. So instead of just mm-hmm. saying oh we have this 
maybe crazy sales goal or, or whatever. It's, oh, we're trying to achieve this higher level mission that maybe we can kind of latch on to across an organization and then understand uh, some of the actual metrics of how we're trying to track if that's successful. Yeah. I think overall it, it has helped with alignment. Um, it might have been... Yeah. There, there are you know pros and cons to that. I think we're not 100% there, but um, I think it's getting better, which is good. Um, maybe a, another topic we can um, circulate around this room is what other companies have done instead of OKRs, just so we can understand like what are the other ways to approach this type of alignment. Um, I know, for instance, before I bought a move to the OKR system, they basically just had two core KPIs that they were just measuring towards. And with that, I mean, it, I don't know if that causes too much alignment. I mean, it's very, all these teams can achieve those metrics in different ways, um, which kind of can be chaotic. I think what objectives and key results do is kind of, you know, put some guardrails around that in, in, a, in a good way to say like, well, yeah, achieve this, but we really want to measure these things. And then each team can kind of build within that ecosystem. So it's like the top down, bottom up. You're setting those OKRs at the high level, um, at the company level to make sure we're, we're you know, moving the needle, we're heading in the right direction as a company. And then the teams are like, how are we going to do that from the team level, I guess, right? I think one of the main positives of the, the process is the visibility that it's created into other teams and it's in a you know you go to Purdue is the tool that we use to track them here and you can see any other squad or teams objectives and key results and I think um, in a team that has a lot of dependencies on other groups it's a very successful system or program that we're working through that way you can see what other teams are working on ideally throughout this process of OKR setting you're having syncs with these other teams where you may have dependencies on throughout the quarter before you go into the review. But if that's not the case, you know, you're going through, you're skimming through what people are working on and something, you know, shows up that you may need to be involved in, you have the visibility into other teams work, which I think has been really helpful. Just knowing what the search team's working on or what's going on with our radical simplification workflow. So I do appreciate the visibility that's created. Um, And I think there is an opportunity for us to even outside of our individual teams, we review these uh, with our leadership team as uh, groups, but I think there could be an opportunity once we kind of get into this groove a little bit better to have a teach out to the larger organization of technology, because I think, you know, dependencies and, um, you know, could be called out throughout that process as well. So mm-hmm. maybe an opportunity there to mm-hmm. have like a couple hour session where everybody does a quick five minute overview of what they're working on. Yeah, I, I think one of the things you're saying that I definitely agree with is the context OKRs bring, I think, is helpful. Um, sometimes when you just have higher level goals, like we want to increase sales by 20% or something like, you know, that's our, our main thing. There's a little more context when you talk about it in terms of the, the mission of the company and then ways we can achieve that mission. And then kind of the subsets of that ways individual teams might drive towards those those levers that move towards that mission it, it creates theoretical ownership right mm-hmm. in, in some ways it it, um, it makes everyone start with why why are we doing that why is 20 percent increase in sales more important right if, if i'm a product person and i see that goal up on the wall like it's hard for me to get as motivated to that goal because that's a 
it can be seen and perceived as a sales goal. Like, okay, why do we care about that? Well, it's to unlock new markets or, un or engage with new types of users or what have you, right? Like, oh, that's interesting, right? There's something, then I can get the product machinery involved and really driving towards that more theoretical outcome and goal. Um, yeah. And it, in, in the end, what actually starts to happen is you stop chasing output and you start chasing outcomes a little bit more. We've well, talked about that a little bit before, and I think that's yeah. a key point. And it's it's fascinating to watch kind of the, the history of our goal setting here at Ibotta. And so it kind of hit on a couple of the topics. So if we went back a couple years, we actually had more than just two goals. And so initially we started with a handful of goals and ended up having a pair back, largely because A, it just didn't make sense after six months. And then we actually ended up essentially crushing a lot of those goals. So moving it to just having a couple of goals was very nice. The challenge I'm seeing right now with OKRs is that we tend to fall back into a waterfall mentality <clears throat> as a company. And so it's very easy to say we want to do these four or five different objectives and all these key results because every key result you ladder on sounds better and better and better. And so you're like, oh yeah, we can totally do that. So why don't we just say, marketing go make sure to be super efficient with your spend but then the marketing team does the same thing comes up with all these okrs and halfway through the process and halfway through the year realizes that they need to drastically ramp up spending and so i think as you are evaluating okrs it brings a lot of that transparency and can help with a lot of the, the cross-functional collaboration the challenge often comes in the fact that we don't plan well for the future as humans so you need to have a certain amount of you know, flexibility inside of these key mm. results. Yeah. So one should counter the other, but know that six months in or whatever, things are going to change. Yeah. I, That's, would even, oh, I would even say within the quarter, you can expect things to change. Yeah. And we had that happen to quite a few of our <laughs> OKRs. We've had a big company initiative to launch our new six, what we're calling our 6.0 experience. And there were lots of dependencies identified for other teams within our within Q2. And we went in to review our Q2 OKRs and we scored ourselves at a two because we had a lot of injection work for our squad in order to support larger technology OKRs and getting 6.0 um, out by this certain deadline. So. I'm still, I would look to the other folks in this room for feedback yeah. on how you manage those that injection or injection of work. I mean, we were pretty brutally honest. We're like, we just didn't, we couldn't plan for any of this. Like so, this all came up in the middle of the quarter. So here we are. What we did with one of the teams that I work with is we literally just threw the OKRs in the trash. <laughs> and we didn't even rewrite them. I, I went into that OKR review meeting and I said, hey, look, like we started the quarter having all of these goals set out for some integrated goals in terms of allowing users to integrate loyalty accounts. Accounts, and then we totally pivoted to receipt upload initiatives. Yeah. <laughs> and it, by that point, we're like, we knew what we were going to do. Writing an OKR wasn't going to change yeah. anything. Yeah. So at that point, it's like, it's just show and tell. Well, that, that's a good point. Like, the way that we structure OKRs today is they're kind of like set in stone once you um, right. find them, right? And that I don't know if that should be the case. Um, and, and, and typically, I think they're created quarterly. I think that's the... Yeah to have some sort of goal each quarter, but maybe they're vague enough where, depending upon the project or the pivot, you almost create new set of key results or new objectives to match what you're working on. Mm -hmm. Because really what it is, it's a way to um, you know, create alignment, but also to elevate 
visibility of the work you're working on to the rest of the company and to like leadership, right? So if, for instance, if OKRs get thrown out the window mid-quarter and there's nothing else to share at the end of the quarter, <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't just sit on our hands, right? Like right. We, we worked really hard, yeah. but it's not reflected because we didn't measure that. Right? Yeah. So maybe to have, I like the the thought of having something continually, um, you know, as you take on each project, you know, as you understand the scope of the work, then defining how you know when you'll be done. And then being able to measure it that way, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because I think you have to have some flexibility. Like right. if you have a major strategy change, or conversely, if you know that something's critical to your business, or there there's just no way around doing it, but you set it no KR that maybe would have you prioritize things differently. You're going to have problems, right. and as Jake said, you're going to throw your OKRs in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so that's OKRs. Throw them in the and trash. They stay uh, there. And it's, <laughs> no, I, I think. Um, that's important when you're setting OKRs to try and be realistic about what the goals actually are because OKRs are meant to be aspirational and that's great, but sometimes it's easy easy to try and take that beyond some of the reality you're dealing with and I think you have to factor that in. Like There, there might be certain things leadership feels really strongly about including uh, where in an ideal world we can set this objective with this key metric and say, you know, I should be able to prioritize anything I want in service of this objective, um, but... You know that's nice in theory. It hasn't seemed like that's fully worked here, and I think that's because you know there. There's already a lot of things that we we know we needed to do for various reasons, and so I would just say factor that into your your goal setting process. Well, and it kind of gets back to that idea of, you know, yes, an objective should be a moonshot. Don't make it a roof shot, but don't make it a shot to Mars either. Yeah. And so. One of the key things to note with key results is that you generally will have achieved that key result if you've gotten seventy percent of the way to the mm-hmm. um, actual monet or the the metric you've put in place. So don't you know? As Zach was saying, it, it should be aspirational. So make sure you're doing that. But if we have this big initiative, which is you know bring in you know a hundred billion dollars in gross profit, you're like, well, maybe that's not achievable. Mm-hmm. It's also one thing I've started to realize is make the objectives more open and just slightly more vague. Uh, Not like vague in the sense of like, hey, we're just gonna do fluffy things, but maybe it's increase the number of new users or, you know, bring in, you know, additional ad products, but don't have it be bound to an initiative where it's improve the number of new, you know, individuals because of this waterfall. Right, like very specific. Right, yeah. and exactly. I think yeah. that's the key with a good objective, right? And I think the a, the measure of a good objective should be that it can be shared. The objective itself should be able to be shared by multiple cross-functional teams within mm-hmm. the business, right? To your point. So, like, one of the things that we thought about with integrated user experience is, well, people have been really complaining about it for the last couple of months, and they've been complaining in very specific ways, this particular team can influence it this way, this particular team can influence it in that way, maybe the objective should be the same, increase saver confidence in the integrated experience, but the key results are going to be different depending on your ownership. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also very key because I know having the, I like that idea, because having multiple potentially shared objectives lets other teams become creative in how they're solving it. Totally, yeah. yeah. But so, so you bring up a good point at like a company level. So bringing that to the squad level, so meaning like um, creating OKRs for the squad and having something that is not fully dependent upon your squad to move, 
how, how do you kind of bring that to the team and get alignment? Because sometimes, I mean, working with engineering teams, they're wondering like, well, it's not only on us to, oh, totally. you know, drive this. So why would we, you know, there's mm-hmm. those questions, yeah. right? And it's kind of going to estimations and all of that and potentially roadmaps. We can talk through that. <laughs> but uh, I think that's where defining the key results are really important. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the objective can be broad and vague and can be shared and mm-hmm. is shareable across teams. But the key result is what you're signing up to actually influence via the work that you do. So right. With like a front-end user experience, we're not going to really have a whole lot of opportunity to impact our ability to match products on your receipt, for mm-hmm. example. That's something more on the back end. On the front end, though, we can give you some options to accelerate how fast or accelerate the time you need to to get that credit, right? that time to credit number. Um, so yeah, maybe like a broader key result would be how often do users disconnect their integrated accounts? Well, lots of teams can influence that. However, the time to credit is something that's way more focused and controllable by perhaps one squad instead of many. Well, and I know personally, because I work very closely with the marketing team on user acquisition, user retention, a lot of the objectives and key results are linked. Mm-hmm. And so it goes back mm-hmm. to that you have to have that shared visibility, you have to have that alignment, which unfortunately I feel like we as a technology technology organization frequently jump into you know room, decide all this and don't talk or don't talk yeah. early enough. Mm-hmm. However, what we've started to take the approach of doing is being very explicit with the key result and to make it something that is being measured only by what technology is driving. Mm. So X percentage point increase in... A-B testing mm-hmm. or something along those lines in order to validate that the approach you're taking is increasing it. And so it's, you know, assuming Keteris Paribus, so all it's held equal, have you been able to move that? And it, it never really comes out perfectly, mm-hmm. but it at least lets you start to kind of walk down that path. So how do you start that conversation? Do you sit down with marketing um, and then kind of say, you know, you guys align together on what do we want to drive? And that's what I've been trying to do. And so it's blending the roadmap Mm -hmm. and OKRs. And so you're like, well, this is what the roadmap is looking like. And so really what we want to do is be able to work on an initiative this quarter, but then iterate on it. So next quarter, those objective and key results are going to be reflective of delivering that value. And so that way it's almost a leapfrog cycle. And then trying to align both their roadmaps and our roadmaps to make sure that as they roll out a, a new you know, TV segment that we have you know, the tools in place in order to support it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I go back to that. A more generalized objective can go a long way. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, pegged it to a specific initiative, you've already shot yourself in the foot. So you bring up roadmaps. Um, what are kind of the benefits of having both at the same time, OKRs and roadmaps, and what are kind of the disadvantages? I know personally for me, it's people get wedded to an idea very easily. And so with roadmaps, if you put it on there and said, hey, this is what we're going to do next, it starts to remove some of that, you know, the agility that sometimes comes with Mm -hmm. OKRs. I mean, it should be a really flexible, you know, agile framework. So you can say, this is the objective. We weren't seeing the results. We're going to drop that and do something totally different with a roadmap, it's entirely possible that people saw or now have this idea that the next thing we're going to do Mm -hmm. 
is the next thing on the roadmap right. instead of iterating or trying to change that in order to meet the objective key result. Yeah, yeah I, I would say that's the biggest challenge with roadmaps. Often roadmaps will go six months, maybe a year out. Um, and so it, at, you know, three months out, it starts to get a little fuzzy. Six months out, it's completely guessing at that point because you're assuming everything you're, you're building is going to go exactly the way you expect it. You're assuming that you are not going to have any issues with launch or that you're not going to learn something new that might change your direction based on user feedback or, you know, something changes in, in the market. Um, and so I think that's kind of a challenge I've had with roadmaps and, and like leadership in the past is they see that they want to see a year long roadmap. And it's just, there's no way you're going to stick to exactly what that is. I think the benefit of objectives and key results is you can have an objective that is probably not going to change. Like, you know, if you're working somewhere like Facebook and their mission is to like make the world more connected or whatever, like that's not going to change a year from now. Um, whereas if your roadmap is build a new platform to allow people to, you know, make look these old. new groups or whatever, like exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, to look old. To look old. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to steal your face data and send it to another country. Yeah. Uh, um, that that might change because you might release that and realize it's not solving a market need, it's not gaining the traction we expected, or we had some random aspect of the product that actually hit on something that is interesting to our users and we want to go towards that. Um, so I think, I think you can have both together. I don't know that we've really found the right balance here. Um, I think... A roadmap is your plan of what you're going to do next. OKR should be a framework to help you make prioritizations. Like our goal is here at Ibotta is to make every purchase rewarding, and our key result, you know, for Pay with Ibotta is we want to have more people using Pay with Ibotta. That means we've built something that is making things rewarding for people, um, and so our decisions against the roadmap should be based off of that. Like how are we servicing that goal? Um, easier said than done. I think we're still kind of trying to figure it out. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's really interesting that we would probably all agree that what you how you described a roadmap, right? Like the first three months, pretty sure that's what's gonna happen. Three, six months, a little bit hazy, six months out, you're like, I don't know, it could totally change. So my question is like why, right? Why why is there such a drive to have a year long roadmap? And I'm just gonna throw something out there, shoot it down if you disagree with it. But do you think that the the desire to have a a dynamic and constantly updated 12-month roadmap is to back into what those goals are for that particular group? Like, is that a way to identify, here's what the squad is trying to achieve at a more thematic level in the next 12 months? I think at the 12-month view, you're you're looking more at confidence building for leadership. Like, I think they're looking yeah. at how, how are we going to do this? Because honestly, they are looking at those types of metrics of like, how many users do we have? You know, what is right. what is our, our, our overall profit and revenue and, and all of these things? Um, and so they want to understand how they can really move those levers sure. to hit the, hit the next big, big goal. And yeah. so I think historically... There hasn't been as many great ways to do that. I think a 12-month roadmap is kind of a proxy for, oh, hey, we're going to get there. See all this all this stuff. This yeah. But the problem is it gives the illusion, like you said, of your step one, two, three, four, five, and we're there. And it's like it, it's not a process that linear. It's not realistic. Yeah. yeah, it's more like you, you, you have a hypothesis maybe based on some data, some research. You go in that direction, you hit that data point, and you learn that was maybe true, maybe false, and maybe the path doesn't go straight ahead to the next step like you thought. It veers to the left a little bit, right. but you realize had you just kept going straight, there was no path there to success. So I think OKRs can be helpful with that is like really focusing in on what you're trying to accomplish and 
when you do need to make roadmap trade-offs, like we're actually not going to do step three anymore because we learned X, Y, and Z. We're trying to hit this outcome of this many users, and this isn't going to get us there. With that said, how often are you going back and looking at your year-long roadmap? Are you reevaluating that once a quarter when you're setting your OKRs and making sure that what you're – and this is where it's like the chicken and the egg. Like, are you looking – are you iterating on the roadmap and then – tying your OKRs to what's now set out a year from now or in a three-month window? Or do you do your OKRs and then work on the roadmap and tie that to it? I mean, to me, they're... Yeah, I, I've done a couple different ways. Like, initially, I started with the 12-month roadmap. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, <laughs> the objectives and key results come. And then you can, it kind of blows things up. It's like, well, right. I thought I had a plan, and now I don't. <laughs> Or we need to restructure that plan to more fit our objectives. But yeah. Is there well, an argument to be made for not only doing quarterly OKRs and doing yeah. the quarterly OKR session, but also an annual OKR, like a 12-month OKR mm. set? In some ways, I feel like the annual OKR is maybe yeah. better than the quarterly, based on my short experience with them. The, the tough thing about setting quarterly OKRs is to really try and think about how might we drive an objective and what are some key results we think we can do in a quarter? It's kind of frequently you're being semi-interrupted by this process where you're trying to, okay, it's been a couple of months, we need to sit, think, mm -hmm. what can we accomplish this next quarter? I'm not saying that it's not worth doing on a quarterly basis, but annually I think it makes sense for the aspirational moonshot aspect of something yeah. like, okay, we're gonna launch a new product this year. Yeah. By the end of the year, we wanna have X users, X million users. Right. That is a guiding north star as you make decisions throughout the year. It gets, it can get harder if, and this is something I personally experienced at the beginning of the year where I hadn't launched the product in the first quarter and trying to set users like, well, how many users do we think we can get uh, this quarter? It's like, well, we're kind of dependent on a couple right. of things. We need to launch our product. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's hard to set goals like, you know, conversion will tell us if mm -hmm. we're building a product people like, well, it's not in the market yet. Right. So, well, and that kind of highlights that, especially with key results, they should be value-based, not action-based either. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think in a quarterly cycle, it's very easy to get into this action-based instead of value-based. Yeah. Can you give us examples of both? Yeah, so action-based would be build this new microservice. Yeah. You know, a value-based would be have this amount of you know milliseconds between the API calls. And you chose to build a microservice as mm -hmm. a result, um, and so one, and you know, in Zach's point, it could be value-based is this number of users, you know, action-based is we built and released this specific new product as well. Right. Yeah, so out outcomes versus output. Right? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Um, I think. Um, Part of what makes it hard on a quarterly basis, it depends on where you're at in the product life cycle, but there's a lot of products that, that might take more than two to three months to build. Like it, for a larger initiative, like mm -hmm. with a lot of moving parts, it might take you four, five, six months to build something cohesive enough to get out to users. Mm -hmm. I, oftentimes we'll try and break it up into smaller chunks for an MVP, but a lot of times for a meaningful actual product launch, you might need three, four, five months. Um, and so if you're looking at things 
too in depth on a quarterly basis, you might start to make like short term trade offs. Like, mm-hmm. oh well, we can't get any outcome this quarter by doing this thing, so we just won't take on this larger piece of work. We're going to do smaller things we can get out there to try and drive some outcomes. But the net result might be, oh yeah, that's a one, two, three percent increase to your overall metric. Whereas, had you built the thing over two quarters and launched it, you're looking at you know a ten x improvement. So it's important to step back and, and not just be focused like too short term with OKRs. Yeah, I think in some cases when you're working on a new product, that OKR process might be much more complex than if you're on a, the team that work, works on dev tools, for example, where they can show iterative product progress or iterative um, outcomes within a quarter. So I think the framework is what it is, but it's difficult given where you sit in the business and what you're working on. So I think we're getting there, but a lot of learnings every time I go into the to the process yeah. and it's time consuming well as we uh wind this podcast down why don't we go around and talk about one thing that we've learned from this process so far so happy to kick it off the largest thing i would say is get ahead of building and coming up with your objectives and key results too often i feel like we get stuck in the rat race and then at the very end of a quarter we're scrambling to now evaluate an objective and key result from the last quarter, but also achieve that alignment. If you're going through the process continuously doing periodic check-ins, mm-hmm. it alleviates that, lets you have more succinct and better OKRs that benefit the business. I would say as a team that's working on building something completely new from a platform standpoint, we went into our first round of OKR setting very aggressively uh, with a lot of unknowns. So I think for us, it's been very important to scale back and look, like really take this big new thing that we're building and break it out into deliver or to deliverables that we can um, actually measure within a quarter. So, if you're working on something new, really try to try to break that down into multiple pieces versus the whole we're going to deliver this thing in a year. Like that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I would just look at your objectives and make sure that they're very much value-based, right? What is the what is the outcome that you're driving for the for the user, for your end user? If you're a back-end team, maybe it's not like the actual end user, but someone internal. But what what is how is the world going to change as a result of your efforts this quarter um, for the people that consume your products? Um, and then make sure that your key results are, are outcome-based as well, not output-based, but are still solely within your control as well. Yeah, I, I agree with what everyone said. I think the key is making sure that you're driving towards something meaningful, not, hey, I want I, I released a product, I'm successful, but you know, how is that impacting our users? Yeah. Do we release something that's meaningful, that they love? Um, and I think if you use that type of mentality for OKRs, you'll be in a better place. So uh, maybe we can wrap with an exercise for listeners. Um, if you haven't read uh, Measure What Matters, uh, it's a book by John Doerr. It talks about uh, the OKR framework and how companies like Google use them. It's kind of what we kicked things off with. So take a look at that and then try setting some OKRs for your product. Um, and let that, us know how it goes. Yeah. Leave comments, rate, subscribe, five stars, send us coffee. <laughs> Double five. Send yeah. us coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Thanks for listening uh, to Product Coffee. Now go level up.
today we are going to be talking about OKRs, and that's fun to start off with a terrible acronym. Uh, oh, let's just start over. We're early <laughs> enough. <in. laughs> oh my Getting god! Really good I've on been the chopping it. Yeah, to yeah. edit it. <laughs> We're early enough in that it'll just be yeah. easier to start over. Quickly, slurp on the coffee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is what I get for, for one not having time for coffee. <laughs> I needed it. I was going to get in early enough. We all need it. We all, yeah. yeah. We all did. <laughs> all right. Take two. Okay.